The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Classic NBA podcast. I am Jason, and with me as usual is Rich. Hello, Rich. What's going on, Jason? Oh, you know, just enjoying some actual basketball being played, which is a kind of nice thing to uh, watch in these uh, trying days. Absolutely, yeah. It's been it's been great, and and I don't know if it's just that, like, you know, it's we've been in a desert and there's a pond, and I'm like, ah, you know what, whatever, I'll drink this wine. But like, I, I've liked the basketball that's being played. I I don't really mind the the lack of fans as as much as I thought I would. I guess I've kind of gotten used to it a little bit with uh, empty arena wrestling has I guess helped me ease into you know not having uh, any human beings at sporting events. But I I don't mind it too much, and I think the NBA has been doing. A really really good job i think the bubble obviously uh is inspiring you know on, on maybe a global level of like hey this is probably how you try to actually handle a pandemic as opposed to you know how baseball's doing which is a much different strategy and and style but yeah overall i i've really enjoyed um i've really enjoyed the basketball so far and i think uh, yeah it's weird it's a little weird obviously it's, we're gonna talk about it uh this year but uh all in all i've i've, I've had a lot of fun watching it yeah, it has been it's been nice. Hopefully things continue to be safe and uh, enjoyable for everyone. Of course, saving being the most important thing. But yeah, I mean, you would have to say that 2020 will end up, you know, certainly probably being the weirdest season um, ever, you know, in the NBA. And, yeah, oh, for sure. You know, obviously there's a, there's a hundred and hopefully. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, yeah. Let's get fingers crossed. That yeah, that's true. That we <laughs> always look back and go, wow, that one year. Wow, that was weird. Yeah, but thank God yeah. everything's not as weird as 2020 was. Man, that that's was a weird true. year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who knows what's what's coming, of course. Oh, but, uh, God. <laughs> yes. But yeah, I, there were. You know, obviously, the, the the biggest thing that people are going to remember forever is is the pandemic. One hundred and forty one days between regular season games, which is literally the same amount of days between the beginning of the twenty twenty season, um, October twenty second, twenty nineteen, and the last games before the season was suspended. Which is, uh, I, I was trying to calculate that, and I was very surprised to see it was exactly the same number of days. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable. It's the exact same. Like, I don't think they, I don't think they stumbled upon that number you right. know, the way they yeah. did. But it's it is pretty interesting. And yeah, it makes you, it just makes you realize how long we didn't have it and how weird that this season is. That like, you know, I, I, I was doing you know some writing for Fansided dot com uh, earlier today, and I'm thinking, I'm looking at these dates, and I'm like. Yeah, actually, you know, February 2020 is the same season. Like it's you know, or, or like you know, November 2019 is the same season. Like it's just, it's hard to believe and it's hard to like rationalize. Cause you're like, wait, what? Like it, it's just been so weird and and yeah, it's it, it's been such a long season and and it just is, it, it feels very weird to like you know be in the midst of summer and there's basketball on. And like I don't hate it, I, I kind of like it. It's fine, right. but like given the circumstances, obviously it, it is. Yeah, no, undoubtedly, hopefully, fingers crossed, the weirdest season ever. And you add in that like stuff happened earlier in the season that you completely forget was this season as well. Like there's the probably the most famous one is is the death of Kobe Bryant. That was this right. year, <laughs> this right. NBA yeah. season. And it feels literally like it happened two decades ago. Right. And, and that certainly has to be the most disruptive death, um, you know, a former player during a season. Obviously, you know, only four years removed from his career, still a major figure in the NBA. I mean, there's really not been a comparable situation with a NBA star dying so young and dying during a time. And obviously, you know, there were you know games postponed and millions of tributes and the whole league was affected majorly. And Davis turn obviously being a significant death as well, but yeah. oh, yeah, know, yeah, the, the impact that Kobe had. Yeah. It, it's, it, it feels odd. The pandemic almost gave us a little bit of distance between Kobe's death. Like, I, I feel like there would still be more like tributes and there probably will be, you know, in the playoffs and in the finals, especially if the Lakers end up making it, you know, there'll be, um, 
discussions of Kobe again, but I feel like that was kind of almost, you know, um, halted prematurely because of what happened with the um, pandemic. And, you know, um, it has kind of faded a little bit into the background, obviously still um, important and emotional, but but just kind of a different tenor after the um, the whole pandemic. But, yeah, just, you know, those two things entirely, you know, would would make that this, you know, the the strongest candidate for a weirdest season ever. But there's some other ones that are worth discussing and we're going to uh, dive into that here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's there's a lot of a uh, lot of interesting ones. We asked uh, some listeners as well to uh, chime in and, and give us some thoughts on on weird ones. We heard a lot of the, you know, the, the, the ones you're going to hear throughout the course of this episode are going to be pretty famous ones and, and ones that were were pretty obvious. But there was a few ones, too, that were just like, hey, here's this weird year. Look into it. And I'm like, yeah, that year's pretty damn weird. So I'm glad uh, I'm glad someone said it. But uh, yeah, some of the some of the ones you could probably think off the top of your head. But I think we I think we have some fun ones for you, too, uh, among the list. Yeah, no, it definitely. Um yeah, some that I think are less conventional unless you really like dig into it and um, and, and and find out. So, and obviously, if you know you feel like there was a weird season that we missed, you know, you let us know. We're on Twitter at Over and Back NBA, Facebook, however you want to get a hold of us, and uh, let us know if there's other seasons that are worth consideration. But these were the strongest ones um, in our mind. Uh, the first one was the 1993-94 season. Um, you know, the the real major events, of course, are the retirement of Michael Jordan. And to a lesser degree, but but pretty significant um, in the long run is the change of the newer shortened three point line. Um, and you'll have some more stats on to you know kind of the effect of that during the three seasons in which it was um, implemented. But you know, obviously, Jordan's retirement you know leaves a huge void in the league. The you know three peoples no longer the favorites to win the championship. You know, it puts the whole title scene, especially in the Eastern Conference, you know, wide open. Um, you know, um, before that, you know, one of the strangest things to happen was the Orlando Magic, um, who drafted uh, Shaquille O'Neal the previous season, became the first team in the lottery to get back to back number one picks. Uh, they end up drafting Chris Webber. Then immediately trade him to Golden State for Penny Hardaway and three first round picks, thus, you know, setting the course for what, you know, looked like a potential dynasty over the next um, few years. And um, that also led, of course, to the NBA making uh, changes to its rules and lotteries to make it more difficult for um you know, for teams that, you know, finished with a better record to get a uh, first round pick, although those rules have since been changed again to make it more like <laughs> back and forth and back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. It, right. it, it, yeah the, the how do we fix the lottery thing has been going on. Yeah. If people think that's a new thing. Oh, no. <laughs> From the moment the lottery existed, there's been, oh, we need to find ways to incentivize winning. Well, no, not, not that much winning. <laughs> like, you know, right. there's always no. this in Well, not that team. No, we can't have that team get the first overall pick. Like, so, yeah, it always it always ebbs and flows and whatnot. But, yeah, no. And and I, th- I think, you know, not withstanding the, the weirdness of getting the back-to-back first-round picks, getting to you know generationally uh, you know great players potentially, and and they really did. I mean, in terms of Shaq and, and, and Chris Webber, both fantastic uh, picks. But then, yeah, trading Chris Webber immediately uh, to Golden State for Penny Hardaway, which you know elicits uh, it's pretty famous in the Magic moment uh, ESPN thirty for thirty, where the fans are just like, "What Penny Hardaway? Like Anthony Hardaway from Memphis State? Like what are you doing? Like this is unbelievable." And obviously, it turned out to probably be. Uh, the better overall pick for for the Magic, and yeah, notwithstanding some some issues that happened down the line, like you know Penny and Shaq obviously create a, a very dynamic and uh, you know duo and and make Orlando one of the top teams you know in the league for for a little bit of run. And I don't know how it would have worked with Chris Webber or whatnot and Chris Webber and Shaq. It seemed kind of weird at the time, but yeah, it's it's again, it was just it began the weirdness of this year that just continued to be weird almost the entire year. Yeah, and you know the other major event, uh, you know, really the key event, Michael Jordan, um, shocking the sports and entertainment world, retiring from the league just before the beginning of the regular season, after his father had been murdered that summer. We of course talked about this in our uh, discussion of the um, Jordan Rules documentary. Um, but you know, one thing to note that this is the third straight season where you know major NBA retirement occurred. 1991, right before the beginning of the 92 season, Michael G- uh, Magic Johnson announces his HIV diagnosis. Uh, he's HIV positive right before the beginning of the season. Obviously, just that was a huge, huge, you know, national, global story. Um, you know, a, a major situation, even, even bigger than I think the Jordan retirement in, in some respects, just because of, you know, there was a huge impact beyond. Um, yeah. 
cultural significance of like, oh, my God, Magic Johnson is like, you know, and a fight that had been going on for years and years and years is that, hey, look, like, you know, people that, you know, can get this thing. And and, and, well, I guess, you know, (laughs) weirdly, weirdly, uh, maybe uh, related to 2020 in some way. But like, yeah, it's you know, it's not just this certain sect of people. It's not this certain type of people, even people that, you know, you, you, you know, wouldn't think are, you know, you know, would get it, can get it. And it's just, yeah, the HIV, like if you weren't alive at the time or haven't studied that time period, like Magic Johnson announcing that he's HIV positive. I mean, the, the, the cultural ramifications well beyond sport uh, for, from, you know, one of the most famous athletes, you know, coming and, and, and coming out and, and saying that he had this was was huge. It was gigantic. Right. And then 1992, Larry Bird retiring right after the Dream Team Olympics in, in August. And then Magic Johnson actually announced a comeback in September. And then based on the feedback from that, uh, decided to retire again in November, feeling like, you know, there was negative feelings from the players about him coming back and some concerns about um uh, you know about how, how he would fare so he decided to retire again um another big game but so yeah three straight years of like you know basically the three biggest stars um in nba history up until that time um you know retiring three three consecutive years i mean that's pretty amazing um streak for the nba to go on yeah yeah and unfortunately i mean and you're talking about you know not just like three you know good players but like yeah magic johnson larry bird the guys that kind of quote unquote bring the nba back uh from the doldrums and then michael jordan the guy that kind of sets them you know into the next stratosphere uh in terms of sports leagues yeah all three of those guys leaving uh in a short amount of time huge huge ramifications uh for the nba and uh the next kind of one that we want to bring up here uh, the deaths of Reggie Lewis and Drazen Petrovic also during the summer of 1993. Petrovic was, you know, during the 93 finals. So I guess it's a little bit more connected to the prior season, but it still, I think, had ramifications and it had, you know, kind of ripple effects on what would become this season. And of course, the death uh, of Reggie Lewis, which is an episode that we recently released as a uh, uh, sort of a, a we're doing over and back classic episodes going into our archives and posting old ones. Uh, and that's one that I wanted to get up right away. It was right on the anniversary of his death. And I think one of our one of our really good early episodes, we had Seth Part now on there. Uh, just talking about how big of a deal it was that Reggie Lewis died. You know, this is, you know, you, you mentioned there, you know, the prior time, the prior year, you know, Larry Bird retires, but it's like, ah, it's cool. The Boston Celtics have Reggie Lewis. Like, we're, we're good. We have our next guy here. And then he, uh, of course, tragically passes away. And now, you know, the Celtics, you know, not only this, you know, the, the huge news of, of you know, of what a presumed very healthy NBA player dying, you know, you know, just for, from, you know, the heart conditions and stuff, but also the Boston Celtics of, oh, well, now what do we do? And, and what they did was, you know, basically be bad for you know a decade uh, after this because there was they, they had their plan in place. Reggie Lewis was going to be their next star. And then, poof, he, you know, he's, he's, he's just gone. So uh, two huge tragedies and, and, and not to discount Drazen either, because he uh, it was the trajectory that Drazen was on was was pretty incredible as well. And, yeah, unfortunately, both of them uh, pass away. Right. And yeah, two young stars, you know, who um, not replaced Jordan by any stretch of the imagination, but, you know, could, um, you know, fill in a bit and you were rising stars and, um, you know, both rising, exciting teams, particularly the Nets, um, you know, that the NBA lost during that time as well. So certainly, you know, a lot of um, yeah, a lot of rough things happening um, during uh, this time. Um, one of the more f- infamous trades in NBA history c- occurs during the trade deadline in 94. Uh, the Hawks uh, you know, trade their most famous player in franchise history, Dominic Wilkins, to the Los Angeles Clippers for Danny Manning. Now, um, weird on a lot of levels. Um, you know, w- one of the Hawks were really good. They were f- in first place um, in the East. And, uh, you know, Wilkins, was, he was certainly older, but he was, you know, in his early 30s. But he, he was still effective. He was still, you know, um, arguably their best player. They were more ba- of a balanced team at this point. So he wasn't the out-and-out star that he had been. But he was still, you know, obviously a key piece on the uh, best team. Um, and, yeah, this is the only time that an eventual numbers, number one seed traded their leading score during the regular season. I think there was some thought that they were – Wilkins was going to leave them anyway, and that they had a chance of signing Danny Manning. That did not work out for the, uh, <laughs> the Hawks, so they would pivot later and you know have some pretty good late '90s teams with um, you know Mookie Blaylock um, and um, and Kevin Mutombo, of course, being the big free agency thing. So you know, in the end, the Hawks did okay. But uh, yes, but still, you know, for a lot of Hawks fans, I know this was like the thing that killed a lot of the interest of the Hawks in the town. And I, I don't think the Hawks have never really been seen the same way in Atlanta after, you know, this point. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a huge deal. And, you know, trading, you know, your franchise icon, arguably the best player uh, in, in the recent history of the Atlanta. Obviously, the, the franchise goes back, you know, many, many years. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But uh, like the Atlanta fans, I mean, Dominique is it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he's that dude. So so for them to trade him while they were good, like, yeah, it was it was pretty interesting reading some newspaper articles as well. And, and it, it's kind of half and half. It is, like you said, a lot of people being like, well, look, he's going to leave. He's getting older. The Hawks are rebuilding or whatever. But it's also like, but they're really good. Like, why don't they just like, you know, keep going and run it? there and and obviously they didn't lose anything really with Danny Manning coming in there but like you said that it was all done for okay well we'll trade you know our franchise player you know our franchise you know top player in the franchise quote unquote you know recent franchise history or whatever for Danny Manning but then we'll be able to sign Danny Manning so it's gonna be fine and then he ends up saying now nah, I'm gonna go to Phoenix and then they're kind of left with you know nothing but as you said Dominique what, what we would know would be on the kind of the last legs of his career as well so it ended up not being a bad trade but still just kind of a shocking trade that you trade Dominique Wilkins uh, while you're good it's not like you know the the Hawks had gotten bad and just said, all right, Dominique, like, you know, this is fun, but, you know, you got to go. But like Dominique was good and they were good and they still said, ah, yeah, bye, which is yeah. is hard to believe. Like that the, the PR battle of that uh, is one that, like you said, Atlanta, I don't think has ever won, <laughs> you know, training Dominique Wilkins while they were good. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, the Lakers missed the playoffs for the first time since 1976, <laughs> 1976. Eight years. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Um, you know, only a couple of streaks that would have, you know, uh, compared to that, obviously the one that the Spurs are on, you know, the Celtics, I think had a 20 year one. Um, the national Sixers franchise, I think had, you know, quite a long one too, but there probably are only a handful that, you know, would, would it reach the, you know, 18 plus mark um, in NBA history. Maybe we'll have to dig into that one um, in the future. But yeah, the other odd thing about the Lakers this season is magic Johnson ended up being their coach at the end of the season um, had a 16 game stint and, Things started off really well, won five of the first six games. Things, you know, look like they're great. And then they lose the last ten games. And Magic <laughs> like, yeah, I'm out of here. Yeah. Uh, this kind of sucks. sucks. Yes, right. I don't like yeah. this. <laughs> yeah. This is a I lot of pressure and not that much fun. I'm going to go buy movie theaters and do a talk show or something. I think. Yeah. I, I forget when the talk show came. Um, that was a little bit later. Yeah. And he, he bought some ownership in the team as well. I think, you know, right around this time as well. So, yeah, that's much more fun just to the, make yeah. money without doing anything as opposed to yeah. coaching, which is not fun at all. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, the Houston Rockets started the season with 15 straight wins, which tied a record set by the 1948 Washington Capitals of the BAA. Uh, and, and in fact, Seattle and Houston became the first pair of teams to start the season 10 or no. Yeah. A really, uh, really fun one here. Um, and then we we get to the season's final day. We'll 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 jump back into the playoffs here a little bit because the playoffs and the finals have a lot of fun, interesting, weird stuff going on as well. Uh, but to add to the weirdness, on the season's final day, David Robinson he wants to get that scoring title. So oh boy, he puts up seventy one points. He gets the scoring title. Uh, reminds of us, of course, of the great David Thompson, uh, George Gervin battle in nineteen seventy eight, where the both men knew how many points they needed to win the scoring title, and they were kind of battling with one another, you know, across you know lines to to try to win that scoring title. But yeah, never. Never forget David Robinson just getting fed the ball uh, to score 71 points and get the scoring title and uh, eventually yeah, MVP like- as well. Yeah. Yeah, I, there was. Um, I was watching a game over the last few days where Mark Jackson was doing the commentary, and they brought that up. And Mark Jackson not uh, still still not over that apparently <laughs> of the uh, of the Spurs fouling the Clippers to you know um, get the ball back and get Robinson more chances to uh, score the points. It so, does kind of suck, but I also kind of yeah. like it. It's one of those weird. It's like the Devin Booker, like you know, in a game where they lose by twenty, trying to like do whatever he can to score fifty or whatever. They lost even by more right. than that. I forget. Like yeah. I don't know. Part of me thinks like ah, that sucks. And then part of me is also like I love the David Robinson. And scored 71 points on the final game right. to get to the scoring yeah. title like I don't know I I'm, I'm I don't well I the problem is I don't ever want to agree with Mark Jackson so I think I'm gonna uh I'm gonna say that it's cool and I like it so all right fair enough that sounds is that okay sounds like I just don't want to agree uh, with Mark Jackson on pretty much anything so that, that works that sounds reasonable um the Denver Nuggets become the first eighth seed in history to beat a number one seed, famously defeating the Supersonics three games to two. Of course, you all see the iconic moment of Matumbo, you know, holding on the ball underneath the uh, basket after, you know, the uh, the Nuggets clinch the um, upset. Also, I, if I recall correctly, the the Sonics were up 2-0 and the, the Nuggets rallied 3-0. Is, it, is that correct? Is my memory correct on that? Uh, um, I think so, yeah. It, 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 yeah. It, like, yeah, it's really weird. And we, I think we talked about it uh, many, many uh, moons ago in our second best team in the 90s uh, discussion where we talked about like how deflating this loss was for the Sonics too because it was like, 
arguably their best regular season to that point. Everything seemed like it was ready to go. Kemp had, had gotten great. Gary Payton had gotten great. Like the team was just really, really good. And they get up early on the Nuggets. They're ready to go. And then like just for no reason whatsoever, they just blow the series to the Nuggets for, for no, like no earthly idea why that happened. And, and yeah, it's pretty, uh, pretty crazy. And it, you know, the Sonics obviously, you know, have other highs, uh, throughout the nineties, but we always, you know, I, I think during that episode, we theorized too that this was like their best chance, uh, to win a championship or at least make it to the NBA finals. And it just completely got derailed by the, you know, the Robert Pack to Kevin Matumbo Denver Nuggets, which is is very, very strange in, in, in history as well. So, hey, LaFonzo Ellis. Let's, let's yeah. Try. Oh, yeah. Our, our good friend LaFonzo Ellis. So. Our very, very good friend. <laughs> One of our best friends, actually. LaFonzo Ellis. So, uh, yeah. And then, you know, to, to cap it off during game five of the NBA finals between the Knicks and the Rockets, the OJ Simpson highway chase uh, interrupts the television <laughs> Broadcast, uh, simulcast between the uh, the two events. So the uh, NBA unfortunately uh, gets a bit overshadowed by uh, by events happening in the world. Yeah, again, just just the perfect way to cap off this super weird season is that you know as the game's going on, there's a split screen because OJ Simpson is driving on a highway in a, in a white Bronco. It's 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 perfect. It's a perfect way to cap off uh, an incredibly weird season. Um, uh, our next weird season, 1995, 1996. Uh, as far as weird seasons go, this one's pretty low on the list, I'd say, but still, yeah, it's still pretty weird. Uh, the 1995, there was actually a lockout, an off-season lockout, uh, the first uh, lockout of four in the history uh, of the NBA as well. So the first time it had ever happened. Uh, previous collective bargaining agreement expired after the 93-94 season, as we said. A no-strike, no-lockout agreement made in October 1994. This is a bunch of legal bar- jargon that nobody really cares about, but anyway, that, they had a moratorium on, on doing any sort of labor discussions. Uh, that expired on June 15, 1995, one day after the NBA Finals occurred. Uh, and uh, we'll get to that in, in you know, kind of how it ended, but you know, some things that happened as well, the expansion draft, which was to be held uh, on June 24th, they're bringing in the Vancouver Grizzlies and the Toronto Raptors. We'll talk about that in a sec. That gets delayed. Uh, the NBA draft or, or does not get delayed. They actually had that uh, as well. The NBA draft that doesn't get delayed as well. So the NBA draft and the expansion draft can happen, but every other part of league business cannot happen. No trades, no free agent signings, no contract extensions, no summer leagues, nothing uh, from July 1st to September 12th. So actually a pretty long amount of time uh, as well. Uh, 17 players, uh, including Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, Patrick Ewing, Reggie Miller, and Alonzo Borning, they tried to uh, uh, decertify the, the the players' union, so that uh, causes some <laughs> some ripple effects uh, as well. Uh, thankfully, no games are lost due to this lockout. New collective bargaining agreement reached uh, before the season started, officially lock, uh, lifted uh, on September 18th, 1995. And the the main lasting effect that we can kind of come from that lockout is rookie scale contracts in effect for the first time. Uh, and weirdly, you know, kind of a, as an aside here. There was also a lockout of NBA referees that lasted until uh, December 12th, 1995. Uh, Replacement referees were used uh, until then, which I never, ever knew until I did this research for this episode that there was an NBA referee lockout and they used replacement refs until uh, the early part of the 95 season, which is pretty, uh, pretty interesting. So, yeah, yeah, a couple of these actually involve uh, ref um, labor issues. Get paid. But it's Salvatore. Get paid. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Exactly. Not, Not with airline tickets. But with actual, yes, salary. exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, mm, uh, well, yeah. yeah, not in that, not in that time period. Nowadays, right. I don't know. Airline right. tickets, are right? Well, 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 that the, the the airline scandal happens in a couple seasons, so in yeah, right. So it was really was going on at this point. I would imagine. So we got to do an episode yeah, about right. that. That's, that's yeah. some hot airline go. ticket scandals. It's, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, all right. So also, you have uh, during these seasons, you mentioned it a little bit earlier that you have the shortened three point line, which caused a lot of issues. Uh, they shortened the three point line twenty two feet. Uh, from the usual 23.9 feet. So it's, it, it comes in about a, you know, about two inches or so, uh, give or take. And this is during the 94, 95, 95, 96, and 96, 97 seasons. Uh, team three point averages don't really, they, they don't jump a ton, uh, in the first season, 93, 94. 9.9, so not a huge change. By 94-95, though, we do start seeing the change. 15.3 uh, is the first season where, where, where you know we really see that three-point attempts skyrocket. And then 95-96, again, we were adding this to a pretty weird year. Again, they kind of skyrocket again to 16. Um, they would go even more in 96-97 to 16.8. Before then, the league brings the NBA three-point back uh, in 97-98, and then the, it immediately drops, as you kind of would assume, to 12.7. So... Even though the teams didn't really do it, I wouldn't say the teams kind of exploded three points. So that's a pretty, I mean, doubling, you know, your three point attempts is still, you know, I'd say a a pretty big deal. But, you know, what we saw more than I think the teams sort of harnessing the power was individuals harnessing that power. George McLeod comes to to know, uh, you know, 
note first. I shoot 678 threes in 95-96. That destroys John Stark's record from the previous year, with six, which was 611. Uh, and then three players in total that year, the year we're talking about here, all top Starks' previous record uh, from the year. Uh, George McLeod, as we mentioned. Dennis Scott gets 628 three-pointers. And Mookie Blaylock, 623 um, you know, three-point attempts as well. And all in all, you know, in 95-96, uh, eight players after the top 20 overall three-point attempts leaderboard by the end of the year. George McLeod, Dennis Scott, Mookie Blaylock, Mitch Richmond, our very good friend Cliff Robinson, even more than LaFonso Ellis. Cliff Robinson loves us. Uh, Chuck Person, Vernon Maxwell, and Allen Houston. So all those guys enter the top 20. But, you know, kind of circling back to a prior you know you know discussion that we had you know 94 95 that's when we see just like a complete ridiculous amount of players enter the top 20 for three-point uh, attempts john starks gets in there mookie blaylocks gets in there uh, dan marley gets in there nick van axel reggie miller glenn rice check person tim hardaway vernon waxwell nick anderson dana barrows mitch richmond like it, it's nuts so before the 94 95 season only 48 players had ever attempted more than three hundred threes in a season after 94 95 that number explodes to 77 and almost doubles and then after 95 96 it jumps again to 113 so just in a few years it went from 48 players all time shooting more than three 300 threes in a year to 113 it just becomes commonplace after a little while um and that adds weirdness like the whole game changes there's more you know the the, the floor is more spaced there's a, a little bit of a faster play the scores you know kind of rise a little bit individual players do well like it can't be understated how big of a deal this was and and how it was sort of a peek into what would become you know the the, the three-point revolution in you know sort of today's nba or over the last few years but we saw it a little bit here uh went away <laughs> for a while iso ball became the you know the kind of uh the, the preferred style and then it came back in a big way you know mid-2000s late 2000s and then now to today's you know nba that we see uh as well where now all these records are just completely moot because you know <laughs> steph curry puts up the same amount of three points that you know the entire league did uh in, in prior years so a little moot now but uh, at this time it was pretty wild and pretty revolutionary yeah, exactly. It was it was sort of a, a taste of what would come. You know, it was just sort of a sampling of, um, you know, the style that the NBA would, would evolve into. But it definitely took a while. Um, but yeah, obviously, as you mentioned, you know, there was you know, quite a, a decent jump in three point attempts. And as you mentioned, just, you know, real really you know, certain individuals really took advantage of that and, you know, kind of changed reputations um, based on that. Um and some other key things that happened during that time, as you, you talked about, there are two new expansion teams, both um, the first non-U.S. teams joined the league, the Toronto Raptors and the Vancouver Grizzlies. Um, there was a huge fight on early on in the season, um, November of 95. There were eight players suspended, eight, eight others fined in a brawl between the Sacramento Kings and the Indiana Pacers. It was started by a fight between Dale Davis and Michael Smith. It was the largest number of players suspended for one single incident at the time. So, um Quite a bit. Not, not, not really. I don't think talked about quite as much as the um, a lot of the other fights during that time. I guess maybe the Kings being involved in it was, uh, you know, made it uh, <laughs> less exciting. Yeah, yeah. You don't um, hear about that one very often, but yeah, it's a you know, that's a pretty big deal. Eight players suspended an eight fine. Like that's that's everybody. Right. That's like yeah, most yeah, people yeah, <laughs> like on both yeah. teams, like yeah. getting reprimanded. So yeah, yeah, that's that's a pretty big yeah. deal. If you were punished, your, your your team was mad at you if you didn't get punished during that situation. So. Yeah, I guess yeah. Who are the who are like the four guys that are like, oh sorry. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I was I getting water. I didn't know we were in a fight. Like, yes. Yes. Um, you know, not not the most unusual trade ever, but, you know, the Alonzo warning Glenn Rice trade, you know, occurs at the beginning of the season. It, it, it's pretty rare to have a big trade at the beginning of the season, but it's even more rare, I think, for, you know, comparable players. I mean, more than clearly the better player, but Glenn Rice also, you know, a star, all-star, you know, probably all-NBA a couple-time player. I mean, a pretty good return. It's unusual for two players of, you know, that level of significance to be traded for each other either right at the beginning of the season. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, it, we, we kind of call them on the show, like, you know, the challenge trade where it's like two good players right. just get traded for each other. Like, let's see if it's better if you're on our team and this guy's on that team. Like, and also Lonzo Morning, too. I think, you know, the ramifications of that is, you know, the first kind of dent in the Charlotte Hornets thing. Cause, you know, with, with, with Morning and Johnson and Bogues, like, they become like the most, one of the more popular teams in the NBA and the aesthetics are perfect for the 90s. It's a really fun team. And this is the first time where they make a move to break up that core and, and and bringing in Glenn Rice is no slouch and obviously they still had success after that but it does feel like the first of the okay you guys are kind of losing you know what made them special at you know in the early 90s and sort of losing that that, that core you know even if it right. maybe was better for the basketball it was worse for kind of the branding or or, or, or you know the the popularity of the team you know globally or, or at least in, in this in this country for sure 
Absolutely, yeah. You know, and and the the, the home fans who had been so supportive that was kind of one of the starts yeah. of you know it declining to the point um, where like you know seven years later they just can't like even be in that city anymore. <laughs> like we right. have to move yeah. because there nobody things- likes us yeah. at all anymore. We must go. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and George Sin had a lot to do with that. Did not help. Moment, no, yeah, did not yeah, help whatsoever. No. But right. um, Magic Johnson returning to the court after a four-year absence for the uh, Lakers. You know, played um, you know basically second half of the season and and, and played well despite you know uh, having gained you know a decent amount of weight uh, during that time and uh, you know playing um, pretty much power forward exclusively. But uh, but yeah, still an effective player. You know, four years later had a nice little um, you know. Um, Coda to uh, his career, uh, so to speak, for you know, a pretty good team. You know, they were, um, you know, they were a fifty-plus win team that year. This was the year before uh, Shaq, but uh, and they you know changed that team over quite a bit to get Shaq the next year. But that was definitely um, you know a little uh, f- fun endeavor for uh, Magic to come back to the league, especially after you know what we talked about had happened um, with the HIV diagnosis and his first comeback kind of being aborted because of the you know the other players' reaction to the idea of him coming back. Um, Bullets announced they would change their team name to the Wizards um, during the season. The change would occur into the next season. Uh, Mahmoud uh, Abdul-Raouf was suspended for refusing to stand during the national anthem in March of 1996. Of course, you know, we're having a lot of discussion of the national anthem during the NBA in the uh, in the bubble. Um, In April 1996, a a couple of incidents involving players and referees. Nick Van Exel was suspended for seven games after shoving referee Ronnie Garrettson to the scorer's table. And then just a a few games later, Magic Johnson, uh, what appeared to more be an accidental bump of a ref, um, he was suspended for three games for uh, that. Of course, that being very contrary to Magic Johnson's uh, reputation. There was also an an incident earlier on um, in the season involving Dennis Rodman and referee, which is kind of more in line with what you would expect. Yeah, for for sure. But um, yeah, um, other you know, two more things uh, for this kind of weird. Well, not not necessarily a weird season, but an interesting season. I, I should yeah. say, you know, on the weird scale, maybe it's a little low, but it's a very very interesting season. And there's some sure. weird stuff in there too. Uh, April 1996, the WNBA is announced, which again was a huge uh, undertaking by the NBA, a huge just announcement, a kind of a you know ahead of the game in a lot of ways uh, for the NBA and for that league. You know, saying okay, what we're going to do, we're going to have an all you know women's basketball league. You know, we're going to support it financially and and all that and and. Uh, for a lot of people that didn't grow up during this time, like this was a huge deal. I remember this being just talked about on, on everywhere. And it's the NBA is at, you know, the peak of their powers. They can pretty much do no wrong. And they decide, hey, you know, what we're going to do is we're going to shine a light on, on, on women's basketball players. We're going to create a women's pro league. And and that's awesome. Like, you know, there had been women's pro leagues throughout the history of, of, of you know, you know, for uh, 50, 60 years before that. But none of them, all of them were kind of fly by night operations, not really ever felt like they were serious. This is the NBA now saying, no, we're serious about this. And we're going to make sure that it's a success and we're going to do everything we can uh, to support it. And the NBA did. I mean, like, I, I remember, you know, we got next. Like, that was like the famous line. And, and they the marketing buzz on it was 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 pretty crazy. And, you know, whether it was a tremendous success or whether you consider the NBA's, you know, um, you know, support of the WNBA to be a positive, you know, long term. Uh, I guess that's a, a discussion for a different day. But at this time, you know, it's it, it, it was a huge deal. And, and I remember them being lauded for it um, for, for, you know, stepping up and, and saying, hey, we're going to do this thing. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know, obviously the league's still going strong, you know, more than 20 years later. So, uh, you know, obviously uh, had a very lasting impact. Um, and then, yeah, the of course, Chicago Bulls uh, setting the NBA regular season record with 72 wins after, you know, uh, Jordan had come back, you know, late in the previous season. But this was his first full season back and obviously a tremendous success both for him and for the a team with him, you know, winning MVP as well. All right. Uh, you ready for, I think it was the most popular season that <laughs> people said to us when we said, hey, what season yeah. do you think was weird? And and they're right. The 1998-1999 season, which, of course, featured the famous 1999 NBA lockout, the third lockout in NBA history, uh, lasted from July 1st, 1998 to January 20th, 1999, uh, forced the 90, uh, 98-99 regular season to be shortened to only 50 games per team. Uh, that season's All-Star game also 
was canceled, which is pretty huge uh, as well. Anytime you cancel the All-Star game, like in, in baseball, anytime you cancel the World Series of the All-Star game or you cancel the NBA All-Star game, it always is like, a, oh, wow, this is like a pretty big deal uh, and pretty serious. I don't need to get into too much of, you know, if you, if you want to l- learn a little bit more, read up on, on that lockout, there's many ways you can do it. The key issues, though, changing the league salary cap system uh, and putting a ceiling on individual player salaries. People kind of look at the Kevin Garnett uh, contract as, as one of them, but he was one of many. There was also like a Jawan Howard deal that Everybody got really upset about as well. There was quite a few. It wasn't just Kevin Garnett. It was quite a few uh, things were happening. But, you know, essentially, uh, the NBA owners want a hard salary cap. The players say, we're not going to do that. We don't care. We'll miss the entire season. Uh, The owners eventually do back off of that. Uh, NBA Player Association Director Billy Hunter, they reach an agreement with NBA Commissioner uh, David Stern eventually on January 6th to end the uh, the work stoppage uh, and end the lockout on uh, two after 204 days. Uh, biggest impacts in the labor deal, uh, we'd say, you know, kind of the biggest ramifications, max salary cap scale, uh, depending on years of uh, experience. Also a stricter salary cap, which leads to a lot of very crazy, wild cap cutting trades uh, later on as well. And really the biggest result of all this was, you know, in the months after the lockout, similar to the 94 baseball strike, like people said, fuck this. I don't really want to watch this. I don't want to watch the owners. I don't want to launch the players. I like everybody was just kind of pissed at everybody. Television ratings, ticket sales decline uh, in the 50 game season. And, and really both would remain way below uh, pre-lockout levels in, in a lot of subsequent seasons. It really took a lot of years of rebuilding, whether that was Jordan leaving again, which we'll talk about in a sec, whether it was a, a multitude of other reasons, the lockout obviously did not help things whatsoever because anytime, in, especially in the 90s, when, when you presented sort of a uh, a lockout or the greedy players or the greedy owners, whichever it was, whatever side you were on, it just caused a lot of tension and fans just really turned away in, in, in droves. And it took them many, many years to come back. So a, a very big deal uh, here for NBA history. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, some of the key things um, were, uh, you know, January of 99, Michael Jordan uh, uh, once again announcing his uh, retirement. I mean, I'm not really surprised at that point, but um, but making it official, as you said, you know, between the lockout and losing Jordan uh, definitely took a big hit to the NBA's popularity. Um I just thought it was interesting that all these things happened on the same day, uh, January 22nd, 1999. Uh, Cheryl Spear was officially reinstated by the NBA. Of course, um, his choking of his coach had happened you know, during the previous season. He'd been suspended. He'd already been traded uh, to the Knicks uh, in the previous week. So, uh, And, of course, the Knicks are going to end up being in the NBA Finals. So it, I never really thought how weird it was for Sprewell to go from you know, being on the worst team in the league and being suspended for what he did and then being on one of the NBA finalists, uh, you know, just in, in one year. That certainly uh, interesting stuff. Also, Scottie Pippen side and trade to the Rockets. That, of course, being a big deal after you know, Pippen had spent his years being underpaid on the Bulls. And um, sort of a weird one. Uh, Denver signed Antonio McDice uh, to a long-term contract one season after McDice had been traded by the Nuggets to the Suns for three first-rounder and two first-rounders. So the Suns basically got McDice for one season for those five draft picks. Then he ends up going back to the Nuggets. Unfortunately, <laughs> for the Nuggets, McDice, you know, get, gets hurt and, you know, isn't really super effective uh, for them. But certainly, you know, what could have been a potentially huge fleecing um, on their part. Yeah, there's a, there's a recent SB Nation uh, YouTube video all about the Antonio McDice, you know, foray in, in, uh, in Phoenix, which is pretty fun as well. So if you, ever, yeah. if you get a chance to watch that, and I think we've talked about it prior episodes as well but it's a very sure. a very wild thing yeah <laughs> you know getting traded by the nuggets signing back with the nuggets feeling like it's the biggest coup in the world but obviously because of of, of injuries and and just denver being bad uh it doesn't end up being a, a a big deal but yeah could have been like just an unbelievable thing and just another kind of point and laugh at the suns uh in this period thing as well so because they had a lot of a lot of odd things happen to them uh during this time period and this was uh just one of them but uh, you mentioned literal spree roll there a little bit uh the new york knicks become just the second number eight seed to defeat a number one seed ever we talked about the other one which by the way put a pin in in like eight seed beating number one seed because in a a, seemingly a constant every one of these weird seasons we talk about is this happening (laughs) an eight seed defeating a one seed not every single time but almost every time so uh, pretty good stuff here and uh new york knicks would make it even more uh, historic by becoming the only number eight seed uh to make it eventually to the nba finals as well so obviously a weird year not a true number eight seed in the sense but hey you know what it's a number eight seed they beat a number one seed they made it to the finals we're going to count it anyway so it's it's you know it it, wild stuff like that's probably going to happen this year as well but you know with, with that being said you know with 50 games it made it weird but still 
they were there and and they still remain the only number eight seed to ever make it to the finals. So and probably the only one ever. I can't imagine um, in unless like in some wild scenario where like, you know, a really good team misses a good player for half the year and then he comes back right before the playoffs. Like I just given the, you know, the attrition rate that the playoffs has these days and the, the amount of games like I just cannot fathom it ever happening again. But hey. We're in 2020. It's a very weird year. Who the hell knows what's going to happen? Who, who the hell knows? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> also, uh, the Spurs become the first ABA team to win an NBA championship uh, through this uh, accomplishment as well. Uh, some other things that happened during the season, the Clippers lost 17 straight games to uh, start the season, which is a record they held until the 2009 New Jersey Nets lost 18 straight. Carl uh, Malone becomes the oldest regular season MVP, but loses on his uh, a chance to actually win a championship with, with Jordan gone. Um, as the uh, the Jazz were, uh, I believe they were ousted by the Blazers, actually, who, of course, would lose to the Spurs before the Spurs go to the finals. Um, definitely, you know, we talked about, obviously, the impact on the league, but, um, you know, a lot of issues with the, the quality of play uh, during the season, you know, certain players not being in shape. Um, it's kind of the historical reputation, although our friend uh, NBA historian Todd Spear disagrees with that a little bit. Says, hey, there's there's some really notable things that interested happen during the season and, and, and some worthy things. But you definitely, you know, you can look at the numbers and see, you know, what the effect was on the style of play. Yeah, and so I actually I, I did a piece for fansider.com uh, during the you know the pandemic. I forget exactly when it happened, but just talking about how you know what we saw and how ugly the basketball was during this time. And and like I agree that there there were some things that were good. And 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 I, I make it known in the, in the piece as well. And like you know everybody kind of laughs at it and goes, oh my god, and laughs at Sean Kemp and laughs at these other guys that were you know not prepared for for the lead to come back. But they were literally given like two or three weeks to like get ready. They were given like two weeks for a training camp, and then it's basically like all right, let's go. And like that you can't do that. Like you know what I mean? Like it wasn't and it was very obvious that that wasn't going to work for the NBA so um, yeah we, we see a lot of numbers that just stand out here the, the slowest pace in league history uh, the only time the league pace uh, dipped below 90 was 88.9 I mean come on that's unbelievable it's terrible like it's just not good only season in the three-point era to dip below uh, effective field goal percentage of 47 it was 46.6 percent which is again just absolutely deplorable uh, the worst free throw shooting year since 1967 and one of the 20 worst years of uh, you know, percentage wise in NBA history, uh, the six worth, uh, the six worst average offensive efficiency, 101, uh, 102.2, uh, with only 1975, 74, 76, 77, and 78, uh, being worse. Uh, also 10th in, uh, fewest assists per games ever, 20.7, uh, and only one of two seasons in the three point era. Also 2006 is the other one in here, uh, to be in the bottom 10 in terms of assists. And, uh, when, when I say bottom 10 in assists, keep in mind that every other season in the bottom 10 took place in the forties or the fifties. So, that's what we're talking about here. That's the comp. And again, I don't blame the players. I don't really blame, you know, coaches. I don't blame any. It just kind of happened where like nobody was ready. Nobody knew the plays. Nobody really knew what was going on. Nobody was in shape. It just nobody was ready for the season to happen. And then it happened. And then everybody had to get out there and, and do it. And there was tons of injuries and like wear and tear injuries and knees blown out. And so it's just a, a complete disaster. And it, absolutely not how you uh, handle uh, a, a season like this. But uh, added to the weirdness, I guess. So. That's good. Good, yeah. good, good, weird year here. So I, I think, yeah, and next one we'll talk about the 2011 lockout. And this was handled a lot better and I think was a lot less damaging to the NBA's reputation. You know, it was the fourth lockout in league history. It, it did lead to, you know, inter, uh, it did lead to games to be canceled. It went from 82 to 66 games. But, you know, for a lot of people, you know, it was part of the season that the NBA that, you know, most like mainstream, you know, fans don't really miss. I mean, the season started on Christmas, you know, the, the schedule was was compressed, which obviously, you know, not great for um, the players who had to play a tough schedule. But for fans, actually, you know, you were getting more games in kind of a compressed period of time. So there was some excitement that was leading to that. So. You know, this one, I think, was handled in a much better way overall um, and was, you know, definitely not nearly as negative as the 99 lockout was. No, definitely not. Not as damaging at all. And, and, you know, some other stuff that happened here. um, 161 day lockout began on July 1st. So very similar to 1999 lockout uh, ended December 8th. Uh, 2011. So, um, yeah, another really long lockout here. Uh, delayed the start of the regular season from uh, November to December, as you said. 
kick things off on Christmas Day, which actually I remember loving. Like, I thought it was fantastic. Like, honestly, if every year was 6-6 six, six games, maybe not with, like, the the amount of games that they played uh, in the short amount of time, even though I didn't really mind it. Like, it was pretty much, like, every day there was a good NBA game on. Uh, it helped that my team, you know, Chicago Bulls were pretty good at that time, too. But, like, every day there was a Bulls game on. The season started on Christmas, which was awesome. It was just, like, a perfect time to, like, kick the season off. I don't know. I liked it a lot. But anyway, uh, I reduced the season from 82 to 66 games. Uh, and during the lockout, teams could not trade, sign, or con attacked players whatsoever uh, also players could not access NBA team facilities trainers or staff so kind of similar to what we're doing uh, we dealt with in, uh, in in 2020 as well uh, November 14th the players dissolved the union allowing them to file antitrust lawsuits against the league uh, on November 26th both sides reach a tentative agreement to end lockout finally uh, new CBA calls for revenue split of 49 to 51.2 percent uh, in terms of uh, you know basketball revenues on flexible salary cap structure with harsher luxury tax again you can go read on that if you really want uh, all that sort of stuff. But uh, one of the fun and weird things about this season as well uh, is during the lockout, some players signed contracts to play in other countries, most notably Europe and Asia. Uh, Turkey, I know, had a lot. China had a lot where people were like, hey, look, I'm going to get paid to play basketball. I'm going to go to Turkey. I'm going to go to China. Um, some of them were smart and, and, and signed opt out clauses or, or, you know, clauses that would uh, allow them to return to America once the uh, NBA was back. And others did not. And were trapped in Turkey or China for the entire season, which led to some pretty fun uh, um Stories as well of guys that were just like, oh, well, I guess I'm playing in Turkey this year because I forgot to sign a uh, an opt out. But I think probably Darren Williams would probably be the most famous. I'd say, like, would, would you agree in terms of guys that, um, you know, took overseas contracts? And I, I think he was able to come back though, right? Yeah, he came back. Yeah, I think J.R. Smith ended up playing the whole season. Yeah, in which I mean, makes if that, if there was yeah. one player that would forget to add like me, right. let me go back to America opt out. Sure. It's obviously J.R. Smith. Yeah, he was in China, right? I think he was in China for the whole season. I think he came back, you know, because the Chinese Chinese season ended in March and he was able to play late in the season. That's just from memory. I forget exactly. What yeah, but that's yeah. perfect. I mean, that's perfect. Than Jared yeah. Smith. But there was there was quite a few. I mean, there was there was a lot of guys that were able to come back, but there was quite a few who, um, of course, were not able to come back. But uh, not bad. Uh, the season began, uh, as we said, super cool way. Five Christmas Day games. So they just launched it out. They just said, boom, here we are. Here's the NBA, which I loved. Do you remember loving that season as well? Yeah, yeah, it was a fun season. I mean, you know, it was definitely different. Definitely, the pacing was was different, interesting. But, um, but yeah, I, I definitely enjoyed. You know, there was a lot of exciting things that happened in a smaller period of time. Um, you know, a lot of controversy, obviously. The big one being the fact that the Hornets um, agreed to trade uh, Chris Paul to the Lakers, and uh, then NBA Commissioner David Stern was who was basically acting as the owner of the team because the team because the league had acquired the Hornets from our good friend George Shin. Um Charlotte's favorite George Shin uh basically nullified the deal and you know upset Lakers fans uh forever and then led to uh Chris Paul going to the Clippers changing the fortunes of you know all the franchises involved for for quite a while yeah, uh, a huge deal. And yeah, the weirdness right there is just like, you know, them agreeing to a trade and then David Stern saying, nah, actually, we're not going to do that. So um, the, the trade not happening. And then, of course, making it even more weird is that, no, Chris Paul is going to get traded to Los Angeles, but it's the Clippers, which was at that time. I mean, the Clippers were mildly respectable at that time, but it was still it was the Clippers. <laughs> you know, they were not today's Clippers. They were still uh, kind of a laughing stock uh, as well. Uh, so the final season for the Nets in New Jersey. They spent a total of 36 seasons in New Jersey in four different locations as well, which is just a fantastic uh, New Jersey Nets story is that they just bounce around between so many different arenas. And, you know, you got Rutgers, you got the freaking Armory, the IZOD Center, the Continental Airlines Arena, I think is the IZOD Center, the Prudential Center in Newark, like just never found a good home. And luckily after this, they, they were able to go to Brooklyn and they have found a home in Brooklyn, thankfully. But uh, yeah, the New Jersey Nets, just uh, they they belong to New Jersey for sure because they they were everywhere in that, in that right. state. So. Yes. Yeah, and their New York years, they were a lot of different places as well. But yes, uh, New Jersey, certainly they 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 bounced around quite a bit. Um, yeah, some other notable things that happened. Uh, the Hawks and Jazz were in a the first quadruple overtime in the league since uh, 1997. Uh, the Bobcats set a single season NBA record for the worst winning percentage, going seven and 59 for a point one zero six winning percentage. The 73 76ers uh, had previously held the record with. With just uh, four tenths of a more percentage point at um, at uh, at point one one zero, uh, but of course they played the full eighty two game schedule. Um, 
And the speaking of the 76ers, they became just the fifth number eight seed. Notice a trend here that we've talked about to defeat a number one seed in the playoffs. When they beat the Chicago Bulls, it was uh, was was this the first time that no, this was not the first time. This was the was this the second time that it had occurred with a best of seven series, I believe. Yes. Yeah, that is true. But again, like I said, tying it together, a number right. eight seed defeating a number one seed. If it's going to be a weird season, that's probably going to happen at some point for some. So expect whoever, whatever the number eight and number one is, you know, circle it for this year because it feels like it's probably going to happen. So congratulations, yeah. Phoenix Suns on defeating the Los Angeles Lakers. In the, All right. Yes. <laughs> you know, that'd be awesome. Uh, like, right. The NBA might nullify that. They might say, actually, it's a best of 12. No, we're not going to have Devin Booker go to the second round instead of LeBron James. We're not going to have it happen. The Bulls also, of course, a major reason that they lost is because Derrick Rose, you know, suffered a torn ACL in in game one of the series, I believe. So, um, you know, that obviously was a major factor in the Bulls um, losing here. All the Sixers were, you know, were tough. Tough team, uh, the tough, scrappy uh, Doug Collins team. You know? Yeah, they uh, made it all the way to the conference finals too. They kept, yeah, they kept going. I mean, nobody yeah, really liked did. watching them play, but no, they were they made it there. So good for them. Yeah, good. Thad good Young, Andre Iguodala, little Drew yeah. Holiday. You know, yeah, good, good, good yeah. team. And then you know to cap off the the season, you know the this lockout season, this unusual season, uh, LeBron James uh, wins his first NBA championship um, with the Miami Heat defeating the uh, rising. You know, Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook and James Harden led Thunder uh, to to win the championship. And and finally, uh, you know, he, he'd been waiting you know, his entire career at this point. I think it was his ninth season um, to uh, to win a championship. It was finally able to do that after, you know, the disappointing uh, previous finals, uh, the upset um, against the uh, Dallas Mavericks. So, you know, quite a, a notable accomplishment there, um, you know, for. You know, one of the best players in NBA history to win his first championship. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, the Thunder making, you know, a miraculous run to the NBA Finals as well was pretty cool because uh, they were still super young at that point. Obviously, still with Harden, still with Westbrook, still with Durant, which is another thing, too. Like, similar to the prior year where the Dallas Mavericks kind of come out of nowhere, the Thunder, you knew the Thunder were going to be good. You knew they were going to be a great team, but I don't think anybody expected them to make it to the NBA Finals with, like, you know, three really good players under, like, you know, 23 years old or whatever they were at that time. They were just absolute babies. Uh, they make it all the way there, but of course, they're completely outclassed by, by the Miami Heat and, and and LeBron James finally gets his his first you know NBA Finals and 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 finally gets the win and finally gets the trophy. So uh, just kept off a very weird, very interesting season uh, as well. So we so Rich, we have other seasons that we want to discuss. Some of the older seasons in NBA history. So since we've uh been going for a good amount of time we're going to uh make that a part two so we're going to close this part of the episode here so uh thanks everyone for uh checking us out uh you can find us at um at uh, at the setback at uh, fansided.com and you can also find us uh wherever you uh like to listen to podcasts just search for over and back nba uh if you're into what we're doing we would appreciate a review on apple podcast or wherever you uh, listen to us and you can find us on facebook and twitter at over and back nba feel free to uh leave a, a comment or correct the record or anything that we got wrong or compliment us for the fine job that we yeah, did do that do the last one the last one's good i like the last one <laughs> yeah, there you go all right so thanks for listening and we'll back again soon What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.